This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Tyler Hurley, here with Robbie Lashua. How is it going, Christ, Culture, and Coffee Nation? Yes, or Christ, at Culture, least, and Coffee. Maybe cul-de-sac, Christ, community Culture, and Coffee. Some... Yeah, community, <laughs> cul-de-sac, <laughs> cherished comrades. We don't want to say comrades. Comrades, Not no, Not in this political no, no. climate. This, Anyways, is a, this is America, although yeah, that's we, right. we do have uh, foreign listeners all over the world. Thank you True. for listening. If you are in another country, we really appreciate you. <laughs> we do, and thanks for being here this weekend to talk about another cool fact and cool um, aspect of who God is yeah, and what scripture yeah. says. Yeah. And so we're super excited to talk today. We're going to be talking about the value of women. Like Mother's Day is approaching mm-hmm. and uh, we just want to talk about the biblical roles and the um, and just like uh, God's feminine aspects in his own nature too. We yes. want to really focus on that today. Uh, but before we get into that, this is Christ Culture and Coffee. And so getting into that, we do have a coffee tip. Robbie, would you like to share? Yeah, this is a really interesting coffee tip and it has to do with women. So um, you know how a lot of times in fine China, they will sell you a coffee cup that has like a saucer that it fits into right? And yeah. you're supposed to serve yeah, coffee, yeah. a coffee mug on this little plate thing to people. Yeah, I've had that. So, okay. So a lot of people think that the plate is for, uh, so, you know, that the, if the coffee spills, it goes on the plate instead of on the floor, which it does sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like after you stir whatever you want in your coffee, you can put the spoon on the plate that's sure, holding sure. up the coffee so it doesn't drip. And, and that all is true, but that's not why. The cup came with coffee originally. You have me interested. This is really fascinating. <laughs> so in the 18th century, they would serve coffee on a saucer. And what women especially would do, because it was so hot, is they would take the mug and they would dump the coffee into the saucer, which spreads it out more and it cools faster. And then they would drink from the saucer, from the plate. What is that crazy? No, that one was does a that today. <laughs> no, if nobody you did does that, that in the coffee shop today. People would look at you and be like, "I want to try it." Actually, <laughs> yeah, just like, go in. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody would think you're nuts. But yeah. yeah, do it. But that I mean, was the purpose. the purpose. Of it. That was what they were doing it. No, for. I believe it. And now it's just sense. become like vogue with you know nice, nice um, china or nice dishes. You know, yeah, wow. That, that it comes like that. But that was the purpose. You dump the coffee in it. It spreads the surface area out it cools faster and then they would slurp it up from the from the plate isn't that crazy that's really and it was weird. a real female thing to do there's actually paintings from the six from the 17 and 1800s of women doing this wow yeah it's fascinating that's so bizarre to me yeah. I, I would have never guessed that i know so that's where you were taking it that's i thought co- you're gonna say oh they used to serve little little pastries nope. with it or something mm-hmm. like that it's no. literally for drinking coffee and cooling your cup mm. isn't that cool so that's your yeah. tip for today the next time you have or are served you know fine china with a coffee mug <laughs> and a saucer shock the world and Dump shock the world <laughs> and like dump that. your coffee into the plate <laughs> and slurp it up like the 18th century people wow, did. Wow, look at that. Yeah, it's nice. That's cool. It is okay. cool. Okay. Well, all right. Well, getting into the topic today, again, we the Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. We want to talk in this episode about femininity and the value of women as image bearers of God. Absolutely. That is yep. the goal today. Yep, that's what we are trying to do today. Um, so one of the points we want to make is that humanity was intended to exhibit femininity 
femininity. That's a fun word to say. Femininity. But we were made by God, and we're supposed to exhibit it. Half of our species is female. We're supposed to yeah. exhibit femininity, and it's because there are feminine aspects to who God is. And so if we're going to bear his image, if we are his representatives, there are masculine aspects to it, and there are feminine aspects to it. And when there's male and female, that's the best situation to be image bearers of God to show what he is kind of like. Yeah. Because he is masculine in some ways, and he's feminine in some ways. Now, I'm not saying God's male and female. Um, he's spirit. He's not course, yeah. sexed, right? Jesus is a male mm-hmm. now that he's become incarnate. But God is not male or female. The Holy Spirit's not male or female. It's like a category error. Yeah, the Holy Spirit and the Father, they're, they're immaterial. In yes. Sense. Yeah, they don't have a physical body. Yes, but there are feminine and masculine aspects to them each. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to start off with this idea. We look to Genesis 1, 27 to 28. It says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So uh, when you read in the creation story, it's really interesting to think about how God is creating things. He starts making things better and better and better and better, kind of like in a funnel fashion. Like oceans are really cool, but fish are better. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fish are pretty cool, but um, land animals like grizzly bears are way cooler. Yeah. Uh, So he's, he's making things better and better, cooler and cooler. And it's really interesting when he comes to our species. So we're the last thing made, right? Male and female, the humankind. Mm. But we know that he made Adam first and then after some time he creates Eve. So Eve's literally the last thing created in the timeline of Genesis. Yeah. Genesis one. So this, and I don't know anybody who disagrees with this, but It seems to me that God keeps making things better and better and better, and he got to our species, and we're the pinnacle of his creation, but of the two sexes... The female is the pinnacle of our species. Yeah. Like I, I've, 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 I've made this statement in a bunch of classes and churches, and I haven't had anybody disagree with me yet. Men and women both agree that women are the more beautiful of our, of our species. Yeah. It's just true. Yeah, like sure. it's an obvious truth. Women are the most beautiful of our species. And so this is how God had created us, male and female, and he created women really special and unique and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we want to honor who women are today. And so Genesis one twenty seven through 28 shows us God intended to exhibit femininity in our species. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, the very first blessing given to humankind, too, was to be fruitful and multiply, right? Mm -hmm, That's right. And the process of pregnancy and birth was part of the original design for human beings. Yeah, it's not part of the fall. Yeah, exactly. It was intended from the beginning. It was. It was intended. And so you see uh, motherhood is possible because God blessed us with the ability to reproduce. And that was a big focus. Like. Femininity is important in creation. It is. Yeah. Well, even, uh, I was just thinking about this, even going back to Genesis uh, 1, 1, or 1, 2, mm-hmm. where it talks about how the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Yeah, yeah. The word hovering is a feminine word. Hmm. And it's interesting, because there's like this creative potency femininity there. And then when you get to our species, obviously men and women both contribute to creating their image bearers. But it's the woman who has nine months of, of 
pregnancy to create sure. yeah, yeah. and nurture and uh, give nutrition to this species. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a similar way to how God created things. It's very it's very cool. It, it is very yeah. cool. And that's a that's a good thought. It's just the whole focus too that we're trying to bring out here it's that it's clear that women are being involved in the process of creation is another example of how God sh- shows that like femininity is important in so creation important. in that process. Yeah. Yep, it was intended. Yeah. Now, I do want to mention something um, because Mother's Day, I, I know people who intentionally don't go to church on Mother's Day. Yeah. And it's yeah. because it's painful because either they can't have kids or they've lost kids. And uh, if that's your situation out there, I do want you to know that that we understand that. And, and yeah, we want yeah. you to know, too, that... Feeling pain when this is talked about isn't because something's wrong with you. It's because something's right with you. It's because you're longing for what we were intended to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, But because we live in a broken world, there are a lot of people who've been devastated with not being able to Mm -hmm. have kids or have lost children. And if you're in that situation, we want you to know that we recognize you and we understand that and we're not glossing over that at all um, because we we do recognize that there's loss when it comes to these types of things. And as a Christian community, we're supposed to weep with those who weep and we want to come together and comfort people who've gone through a hard time. Yeah, of course. Um, the other thing is, and I've talked to a lot of people who love the Lord and have good theology, but sometimes lies can creep into our minds because of pain and loss. Um, and so I want you to hear me on this clearly. Uh, you are not childless or you didn't lose a child because God's punishing you. Right. That is just not true. You're not childless because God thought you wouldn't be a good mom or dad. I've had amazing people say those things to me. And it breaks my heart because that is completely not true. I know that's not true because I look out there at all the terrible moms and dads that have kids. Yeah. (laughs) So that's not the truth. Right. But that's also just not how God works. Right. There's this really important verse. You're going to read it. John 9, 1, 2, 3. That informs us to this idea. Yeah. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm. So see that right there. Jesus provides an answer to that, that question, right? It's not a sin. Like you, you aren't being punished for your sins yep. by the loss of your child or by a birth defect in this case, right? Being born yeah. blind. Uh, like it doesn't, you aren't. Like God doesn't work like that. (laughs) Like you won't get, like you aren't being punished for having a death, like with a child Mm -hmm. or not being able to bear kids. It's something that is just an aspect of the fallen, broken world that we live in. And so it's something that we, we need to be reminded of, honestly, too. It's that God knows exactly what we're going through too, is the other aspect of that. Like, because something we often forget is he also lost a child, right? That's right. Uh, not he did. to say he that he didn't son, we forget, yep. I should say. Like, obviously, we, we just know. don't put it in that same context. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not in that context of that God also lost a child because the world was broken and it turned on him. Yep. That's right. So the, the good news is, though, is that Jesus himself can use our deficiency. Um, deficiencies like that of the blind man to display the works of God. And that's exactly what that passage is saying. It's saying, look, yeah, your child's born blind, but this is going to display the works of God. Yep. There's something like God is working through this. He is. He's always at work and he can empathize with our pain, which is just awesome. And so again, we just wanted to mention that if you're out there and you've gone through this, we don't want to... um, 
we don't want to not recognize that. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, um, bearing children is an aspect of how God intended things to be prior to the fall yeah, when things yeah. got broken. But uh, femininity from day one of our species was intended to be there in uh, in the created order in our species. Another yeah. thing is that femininity is this huge aspect of being created in the image of God. And so um, I want to make something clear here because this is really important. Um, because we believe that the Bible is God's word and it's inerrant and it's infallible, right? In the original manuscripts, Tyler and I really do take God's word seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe the things that it, that it claims of itself. And because of that, when it comes to God, I don't think that we should refer to God as a mother or as a her, yeah, because that's not how he has communicated with us. Yes, yes, right. So we got to be careful with that. But the flip side of that is that there are many, many passages that depict God in a feminine way. Of course, yeah. and we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that either. If we take his word seriously, we need to take all of his word seriously. And so often he is depicted mm-hmm. in a masculine tone or masculine pronouns, right? Yeah. But there are verses that depict God. He depicts himself in a feminine manner. And so we wanted to focus on those for this podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to get into those passages. And But before getting into that too, just remember the whole idea here of where we get this from too, is that like, like not just these passages displaying his femininity, but when, like we said, like when you go back to creation and you see uh, human beings being created, Adam and Eve, we, they were intended to represent God, his character, marriage, right? That's an aspect of it. It's because you can't, a man by himself cannot fully represent who God is. No, no, we need need a woman. We need a female. Yes, exactly. And in the same way, a woman by herself can't fully represent that. You need the, the unity between husband, wife, and God. It's that, that, together Mm -hmm. is what represents God's character. So uh, I'm going to read in these passages, but just wanted to kind of, digress on that a little bit. Uh, so uh, starting with Isaiah 44 two, it says, God formed Israel in the womb, uh, right? It says in the passage, it says, thus says the Lord who made you and inform you, inform you from the womb, who will help you? Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jerusalem, whom I have chosen. Yeah. So right? God formed from the womb. Formed from the womb. The exactly. nation of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Not Jacob, because this is about Isaiah. It's yes. About the nation. Yes. But so it's just, it's a it's an interesting feminine way to say God was involved in forming the nation of Israel, and he he uses a, a figure of speech as formed in the womb. Yes, right? exactly. Interesting. I mean, yeah, we see that same exact figure of speech used uh, just a couple of verses later. Uh, well, few. Uh, 44, 20, 24 in Isaiah says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, I am the, the Lord, am the maker of all things. Yep. Right? So, so again, right there again. you from the womb. Form yep. you from the womb. And then uh, we see in another aspect of this, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 18. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth. Hmm. Right? And then we see in Numbers eleven twelve, Was it I who conceived all this people? Was it I who brought them forth so that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? See, that carried... Hmm. Yeah. As a nursing, like that's in your bosoms as a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Nursing infant. That's That's very feminine, especially like, like, 
Yeah, just for for you to hear God describing himself in that way, it's interesting. So yeah. you see, the, there's several passages. And then, Robbie, you even have a few more that you wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Isaiah 49, 14 through 16 uh, says, But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. It's fascinating. So God says, just like a a mother cannot forget a child she's birthed, so I will not forget you. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a good this emotional example. tie. This, mm-hmm. this, I, there's no way. It's not even possible for that to happen. It's amazing. Isaiah sixty six thirteen says, "As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem." Yeah. See, it, and that's mm-hmm. dude, that makes sense to me because, like, <laughs> if it said, "As one whom his dad comforts, so I will comfort you," that's not very comforting. <laughs> dads, because dads typically aren't good at comforting. Yeah. What are dads good at? They're good at saying, suck it up. Come on, get up <laughs> off the ground, rub it out. You're going to be fine. And they can push us to be, not not because they're mean, yeah, but they yeah. can push us to, to be tough. Because there's a masculine aspect to that where we need it. But man, the comfort of a mom. Mm. Who would you rather have helping you when you're sick, Tyler? Your mom or your I'm dad? My mom. Yeah. <laughs> of course, everybody. Everybody does that. Yeah, yeah. My mom. I, why? Well, because she's gentle and she's nice and she puts a cold towel on my head. And my dad will be like, "Are you still alive? Okay, cool. See ya." I mean, it's just like moms and dads are different. Men and women are different, right? Yeah. And so it's it's better that God says he comforts us like a mom comforts her child because yeah, yeah, exactly. that means so much more than a dad comforting his child. Yes, that's so true. And then we see more examples. This one's uh, maybe even a little bit more uh, uh, tangible for some people in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. We see Jesus uh, compares some feminine aspects uh, in Matthew 23, 37. It says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are unwilling. Think about that. Hmm. A hen, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, like, yeah. uh, he's saying, I wanted to gather all of you together. He's saying, I wanted- I'm like that mother hen. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that weird? It no, is no, weird. It, it is. Like, I think weird is an appropriate way to describe that, because it is. It's, it's strange. Like, like this, like Jesus, like who's this man who's like, yeah. like, like tough. You you envision like God, right? Incarnate. It's like oh, this masculine type. Yeah. Well, well surely he is, but like he's d- displaying a feminine side and saying like, yep. I'm nurturing you. I want to nurture you in the way a mother hen gathers. Yep. Her I chicks. wanted to do that in turn, right in the past because he existed yeah, prior yeah. to his birth. Sure. That's right. And, and then we see Jesus also referencing some Old Testament passage where. Um, In Ruth 2, 12, it says, May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. So see, there's some comparison there. It's an Old Testament idea of coming under the wings of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then in uh, Psalm 17, 8, uh, Keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. So see, he's Hmm. touching on this. So in 
in this statement, he's also establishing, he's like, look, I, I'm, I've wanted to do this in the past. And yep. he's trying to refer like, I'm God, right? Yeah. Like, I am the one who is coming, who wants to comfort you. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We also see feminine aspects to how Jesus even explains salvation for yeah, us, right? Yeah. And this is such a common passage that we kind of forget the feminine, um, uh, aspects, the, the, the aspects of the femaleness that come from this passage of John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. So I want to read this to you. This is obviously Nicodemus comes to Jesus, is talking about eternal things. Uh, eventually, Jesus gets to John three sixteen, right? But listen to what he says to Nicodemus in John 3, 3 through 7. Uh, Jesus answered, and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. So we are born by our moms, right? Yeah. And Jesus comes and he says, if you believe in me, then you'll be born again. Yeah, that's right. Right? It's it's a female, it's a feminine aspect of rebirth. And we talk about it in Christian circles all the time, rebirth, or I'm a born again Christian. But we forget sometimes that's a real feminine thing, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus this feminine aspect of how we get saved. We have new birth. Yeah, exactly. And we see also the Holy Spirit being called the helper, Mm -hmm. the comforter, right? Which are feminine terms. It's a way that uh, women are often referred to as being a helper, a comforter. We see um, right here in John 16, 7 about the Holy Spirit. Um, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So there we go, referring to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Yep. But then we see in Genesis 2.18, this is what's interesting. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable to him. You see that? So it's he's saying... Uh, by like by calling the Holy Spirit helper and calling Eve at the beginning of creation helper, there's a, a feminine aspect there. It's saying mm-hmm. like like look like there's you can see the femininity in the Holy Spirit yes. like being described the same way that Eve was at having creation. the same task, right? Yeah, having yeah. the same type of task. This is awesome. Yeah, exactly, and it's a good representation. So, and then we have um, in Matthew twenty eight twenty says, "I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Yep. And it's important that Jesus said that because Mm -hmm. in Genesis, God makes this statement and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. And then before Jesus leaves, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. Yes. I'm going to be with you and I'm sending the helper. Exactly. It's it's, it's crazy, right? That's the point. And it's, it's all about that comparison to show, it goes back to what I said earlier, right? Man and woman together through marriage is a representation of God's character. Yep. That's the best representation of the image of God is male and female. And so you have to remember that obviously, yeah, if we truly believe that, then we have to recognize that there are feminine aspects to God. And that's really what we're trying to touch base with in this episode. We do. And it's really cool. There's this... um, 
one of the guys I think in the in the past who did such a phenomenal job of communicating this idea of masculine and feminine aspects of God was Rembrandt, the artist. Um, right before he died, he painted this beautiful painting uh, that was called "The Return of the Prodigal Son," mm-hmm. and it's about the prodigal son story, right? And it's it's uh, the the picture is awesome because it, it's basically there's a son on his knees leaning against his dad and his dad the father right is covering him with his with his uh arms and kind of his like red cloak thing it's a beautiful painting and then there's like an older brother off in the distance in the back yeah but but what rembrandt communicated through this painting is phenomenal you could just stare at this thing and pick up little things that he wants you to think about Mm -hmm. in the parable that jesus told um one of the things is that um if you look at the hands of the father that are covering the sun. Yeah. The left hand of the father is like super strong, masculine, fat hand kind of thing. You know, like it looks like a, a strong dad's hand that's on the sun. And he's kind of holding the sun and gripping him with this strong hand. But then you look at the right hand of the father and it's a woman's hand. Yeah, it's a cool painting. It is, and, would, yeah. and Rembrandt totally did this on purpose. It's this slender, smooth, small, thin, yes. feminine hand, and it doesn't grip the sun. The the, the strong mm-hmm. hand of the dad's gripping, and then the girl hand of the dad, the yeah, feminine like hand, you can see is it's like actually caressing like tightened, him. like clinched. The dad's hand, yeah, yep. the, the and then the, the female hand. hand is kind of more caressing, comforting mm-hmm. uh, the son. It's fascinating, and this is because the reason Rembrandt did this is because he understood that God has masculine and feminine characteristics. Yes. It's really cool too because if you look at the son, so he's on his knees, and um, the masculine hand of the father is over the foot of the son that still has his sandal on his foot. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's still affirming, like, hey. You came back. Hey, you can do this. Hey, it's not so bad. You know, be tough kind of idea. But then the other foot of the sun is bare and worn. And that's where the feminine hands over. Yeah. And so Rembrandt is communicating this idea that the feminine hand is is about protecting the vulnerable side of the sun. Mm-hmm. While the masculine hand is about affirming the strong side of the sun. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal painting. Yes. But the truth he communicates into it is beautiful that God has masculine and feminine aspects. Yes, it's a wonderful painting. Uh, you should definitely take a look yeah, at that. Yeah, check it out. It's really cool. Return of the Prodigal Son by Rembrandt. Yes, yes. Um, but anyway, yeah, the point is, like, the conclusion from these passages is that, that we need to gather yeah. is that femininity is an aspect of the image of God, and it is essential to knowing who God is and how he relates with us being his children, right? Yes, we have we, to know that. You have to understand that. And so, and if we take scripture seriously, we can't shy away from these passages yeah, that exactly. talk about him in feminine terms. Yeah, and I know it's it's... This might be uh, like kind of new for some people, right? Uh, th- thinking about God in a feminine aspect, mm-hmm. because uh, like we said before, like obviously we refer to Him as the Father, and we f- that's how He always refers to Himself. Him. Yep, exactly, yep. because He refers to Himself that way, and that's yep. why we address Him that way. But there are these feminine aspects that we need to focus on. Uh, we also see that Jesus values women, right? Yeah, this uh, is huge. There's yeah, there's tons of aspects about Jesus um, and his valuing of women. Uh, we see that in, with women in Jesus' ministry in Mark fifteen forty through forty one. Uh, Jesus had many women who were a part of his ministry. Uh, yep. Mary, though, uh, was uh, chastised by many male disciples. Uh, she had anointed Jesus' feet with costly perfume and wiped him with her hair, right? Yep. You know the story? 
And then the male disciples had not washed Jesus's feet or anointed him as king. But this amazing woman, right, through this, like, going against the social norms. Oh, yeah. Got on her hands and her knee, knees, and she used her own hair yep. and washed his feet because she recognized who Jesus was. And and Jesus valued that, right? Yeah. Like, like He, like, chastises his disciples. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's like, exactly. She, she did what was right by me. You jokers didn't. Yeah, he's like, look at this. Like, this is a representation of someone who loves me. And mm -hmm. clearly, like, you're not serving in the way that you should. Yep. So that, that's kind of the idea there. So it's really cool because he's giving her that respect. Yep. Um, yeah, and then the women in the Gospels are, sorry, women in the Gospels are constantly shown to be humble servants who have great faith yep. in Jesus. They bravely stand for truth, even when the male disciples did not, just like that point there. Yeah, it seems like the women are always doing the right thing, and the yeah, guys yeah. are typically not doing the right well, thing. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, in fact, we see that, uh, um, that with a group of women who attended Jesus' crucifixion, right? Yep. Uh, all the male disciples, with the exception of John, were all hiding. They all ran away in fear yes but the women were still there when he was dying when he was being crucified yeah yeah and so uh, it's just really cool because you see that jesus has this respect for women there, there's tons of different examples where we can point to of this yeah. yeah and and the coolest part is is he's going against all these social norms that's a, that's, that's the a thing like mm -hmm. to us in our day and age like we as a society value women better than oh, of course the social yeah. norms during jesus yeah. time but he didn't let social norms constrict him into how he behaved. Mm -hmm. He did what was right because of who women are as image bearers of God. One of the cool stories I think is in John 4 with the woman at the well, right? The the Samaritan woman. Yeah. So Jesus shouldn't talk to a Samaritan. He definitely shouldn't talk to a woman, right? Like this is just anathema to them. They had racial yeah, tension. Yeah. And then he's a rabbi and she's kind of like a... Um, adulteress like right mm -hmm. she's had five husbands i mean it's just bad news and the crazy part is is she comes there to get water and jesus makes himself vulnerable to her by yes. asking for her help think about this the god of the universe asks for her help a sinful mm -hmm. samaritan woman he asked her if she could get him some water. He's definitely not supposed to do this, but he initiates conversation with her. Through their conversation, he shares truth with her about who he is. Through that, she becomes a believer, and she gets a whole bunch of other Samaritans to become believers, right? Oh, yeah. And it all goes back to Jesus believed that the proper treatment of women was more important than the social norms of his culture. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, this is who Jesus is. Jesus values women. And that's absolutely right. And then we this this one's probably one of my favorite stories um, is about how Jesus took good care of his mother Mary. Mm -hmm. uh, like when he is on the cross in uh, John nineteen twenty six or twenty seven, he literally uses his, some of his last breath to make sure that his mother was taken care yeah, of. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that right here. Uh, like one of the seven sayings that Jesus said was, woman, behold your son. And he said to John, behold your mother, right? That was the focus mm -hmm. of some of his last words was make sure that uh, John, make sure that my mother is taken care of, yeah. right? <laughs> As uh, like his dying last breath, that's what he was doing. Uh, like it, it's just so, so crazy. Like It is crazy that. to yeah. think about how he's, in his moment of torture, he's focused on taking care of his mom. Mm -hmm. Like a man, like what value for her, right? Yes, what yes. love and respect he had for her. To have that deep love and compassion to honor her yep. while he's being tortured is phenomenal. 
Yep. Another thing that we see that is amazing is that the first people to witness the resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. were women. The first people to recognize the greatest event in human history were women. Yeah. What does this That's say right. about the value of women? He didn't appear to Peter. He didn't appear to James. He didn't appear to Paul. He appears to Mary and the other women first. They, at the time even, were not credible witnesses in court. Well, that's, that's People thing, didn't yeah. believe that women could give testimony. It was like you had to yeah. have three women against a criminal for it to be accepted as testimony in court. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't care about that, and he entrusts the most significant event in human history to women. Yeah, if he really wanted to make it easy, he could have just gone straight to having his first sure. appearance be in front of men, because then they wouldn't have to fight and uh, like like convince people. Yeah. Right. But no, he chose women because he values them and he knew that there would be significance in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So Jesus values women. So we see that uh, femininity was intended to be a part of our species, Mm -hmm. that it's an aspect of being created in the image of God, that Jesus valued and lifted up and dignified women in a culture that didn't. So what does all this mean, Tyler, for our daily lives, especially in regards to Mother's Day coming up this year? Yeah, exactly. And Mother's Day coming up, that's why we wanted to touch on this, right? And the the main thing that we are, the message we're trying to get out for today for application is that mothers are important. They are so important. Uh, Children need moms in their life. Like it's just... It's just true. And like we, we touched on before, like, like these are just the aspects of God that are represented through the touch of a mother. Yep. It, it's necessary in life. And like children, they need that comforting, uh, the nurturing, compassion, gentle hand on their shoulder that brings peace to them. They do. Uh, they need that comfort of home instilled in them, right? Uh, uh, and moms, it, like you may feel like... hey. There's, I'm sure there's tons of moms, if not like every mom out there, that feels like they're just giving all of their energy to their kids. Oh, gosh, and, and kids suck the life out of they you. They do, yeah. yeah. And because that's because you are giving all of your energy, because yep. that, that is uh, your design, and you are doing something great out of that. And it's something that needs to be recognized. And that's why we have a Mother's Day, right? It's to yeah. acknowledge uh, mothers for p- giving all their energy to where they're comp- just completely spent on yep. pouring out every aspect of their love to their children and taking care of them. Well, and think about it. They're giving their life for others. Yeah, yeah. Like literally, yeah. like being chauffeurs and mm-hmm. being p- personal chefs and being the laundromat and being the the maid and being the, right on and on and on. Being yeah, the yeah. comforter. Isn't that something that, that describes God? The comforter? It is, yeah. Right? Yeah. Is being the healer, being a physician. Being, I mean, all these things that moms do, they're doing something that is immensely valuable. Mm-hmm. And it's not just valuable in this life now. It's valuable for all eternity. Yes. Because what they are displaying shows us a glimpse of who God is that men can't show. Mm-hmm. That is so vital. It's true, yeah. We can understand and see more of God because there are women. Exactly. Than we could if there weren't. And so mm-hmm. what you do, women, is so valuable and it's so noble and it's so important. Now, to those of you who have lost children or can't have children, uh, again, yeah. we, we do understand the deep loss and the pain that that is, but... That doesn't mean that your femininity on display doesn't have an impact. There is so much worth that comes from you being who God designed you to be um, and that we can look to and we can understand and we can see 
God in you, Mm -hmm. regardless if you're a mother or not. And that's why we didn't name this the value of motherhood. Yeah, exactly. The value of femininity. Mm -hmm. We need to see that on display in our culture, biblical femininity, because our culture is pretty confused about it, to be honest. And our culture downplays it. Our culture pretends like women need to act like men in order to be important. Mm -hmm. And that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, because I think women are the most beautiful aspect of creation. (laughs) Yeah. So why would you want to become like the utility side of the species instead of being the beautiful side of the species? Yeah, it's true, though. It is true. That's kind of the cultural push. It's just flipping the role in the value yep. that, that women have. Well, what can women yeah. do that, that can't have their own kids or, or have lost a child or maybe their kids are grown up? Yeah, Tyler, how yeah. can they exhibit these things and help people in life? Yeah, well, the thing is, is there's so many children out there who need a good woman to represent like that mother figure in their life. Right. Yes. And, and that's the thing like, like you, and it's not that hard to find like, like seriously, it, it's unfortunate, but it's not hard to find no. kids who are looking for that, who need that. Uh, like whether, whether they have a mom or not having uh, a good, maybe even an additional a female role model who is in the Lord, who is giving them a good representation of who God's character is by that nurturing side that you can give them. There's kids out there for you to do that. If you don't have children of your own, Uh, it's so vital. Uh, Like you can do this through, through being a youth mentor. Mm -hmm. You can do this by, by um, maybe just seeking out a friend or like, someone who you know through family who could just use a friend or someone yeah. who's nurture, who needs nurturing, who needs to be loved on and poured into. Uh, discipleship, right? That's yeah. essentially what it is. Right? And and really what yeah. you're doing is you're... Because again, with, with, with the rates of divorce and single parents, yeah. single yeah. moms in our society, so many kids aren't seen... The feminine aspects of God because they're not really seeing the feminine aspects of our species. Yes, and they desperately need that in their yep. lives. And so uh, that is a way that you can be a huge uh, role in their lives by seeking that role out and fitting that for them. Yep. And now we want to switch gears a little bit here yeah. and talk to the men in our audience, right? Because we have about a 50-50 split in, sure, in the sure. people who listen to the show. Guys, there is an epidemic in our society of the mistreatment of women right? Women get demeaned and sexualized and objectified and abused. And there's been so much outcry in different aspects of society from women who have been mistreated for one reason or another, um, who, who are looked at as objects or just um, things that are there for men to fulfill desires with. And we as, as godly men have got to view women from the perspective that God views them from and the mm-hmm. perspective that he intended us to view them from. Now, this is that perspective. Women are the highest pinnacle of God's creation. They exhibit the feminine qualities of God's image. They're tremendously beautiful on the inside and on the outside. They're comforters, they're nurturers, they're strengtheners, they're encouragers, they're gentle, they're kind, they're compassionate, they're loving. They're daughters of the king. And we should understand that that makes them a princess. How would you like uh, people to treat your daughter, Tyler? 
I mean, yeah, like right? that. You, yeah. Once you <laughs> like, have a daughter, right, eventually, yeah, yeah, yeah. you want them to treat them good and understand Yeah, but you have daughters, so you can probably they're. speak a little more into that. I think yeah. about this all the time. Like, yeah. I want guys to respect them and treat them valuable because I do know it's not because I, I have fake worth attributed to them. They really are valuable. Yeah, of course. So of how course. much more so does God yeah. desire us as men to view this special aspect of our species, the mm. feminine side of our species, as important and significant and beautiful. It will do us well to remember who they are mm-hmm. and to treat them in the way that we know who their dad is. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we think about that enough. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, is that Christian men especially should be champions for women in their lives, yeah. not just with your wife or your own daughters, but just women in general. Like, Coming from someone who is in the Lord, we need to be an example to society, right? Yes. We need to lift up women in the way that they are supposed to be cherished and loved. Uh, it's imperative that we stand as salt and light in a culture that mistreats, abuses, and totally cast aside women uh, and misses the extreme value that they should be held for. Yeah, absolutely. We need to. We need to really work at this. Um, we also need to. Uh, lift up the value of the feminine side of our species. Because mm-hmm. again, like I said, so many people act like, oh, for women to be valuable, they have to act like men. That's stupid. Yeah. No, they're yeah, extremely sure. valuable, and we are missing something if we throw out the feminine aspect of our species. Yeah. We cannot yeah. do that. This weekend, we're celebrating the beauty and the value of womanhood. And as a church... We should be the greatest example of cherishing and holding women in their proper place. Mm -hmm. So ladies out there, you are immensely valuable. You are intrinsically beautiful and you are immeasurably needed in this world. People need to see who God created you to be. You are very valuable for our society, for our culture, Mm -hmm. very valuable for family, very valuable to the church. And, and we just want to express our thanks to our moms, obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, to our wives, obviously, to our sisters, obviously, to our sisters in Christ, to, to friends who are women. Like, you're so much more valuable than you understand. And we have to look to what God says about who we are to really appreciate what he intended us to be yeah. and to do. And that's what we wanted to do this weekend in light of Mother's Day coming up to celebrate the value and the extreme worth of women in society and in church and in family. Yes, yes. But thank you guys so much for joining us on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. We'll be back next week with a new episode. It's going to be another uh, one-off topic. Please join us on that. Uh, You don't want to miss it. If you enjoyed the show and felt that this podcast was beneficial to you, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you become a Level 4 supporter on our Patreon page, you can get yourself one of our stoneware, Christ Culture, and coffee mugs, as well as a t-shirt and a sticker. We are available on all podcasting platforms, as well as YouTube, and we are also available on all social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening to Christ Culture and Coffee.